In this Tougher Minds podcast, we're discussing the concepts that underpin the process of becoming a high performer and developing excellence in your chosen field or endeavor. The discussion's based on a chapter of our free ebook, The Elite Business Athlete. The book explains how performance secrets from global sporting icons can be beneficial and transformative for everyone. It's free to download from tougherminds.co.uk. To begin the podcast, Tougher Minds founder Dr. John Finn reminded us that many people believe that talent is something you're born with. I, I think there's a common misconception that when people see someone who is who is very good at something, it's kind of a human disposition to assume that they were born to be good at that particular thing. Because that's how our brains work. Our brains are very much about um, predicting um, predicting people's abilities. And often we lose the fact that practice is very important in getting good at something. We used to talk about nature versus nurture. So are people born to be great or is it about the practice? The argument doesn't really exist in, in contemporary uh, insights, in contemporary debates. What we're talking about now is nature plus nurture. So we know that genetics are important um, in our abilities to do certain things. However, what is also very important, and maybe even more important than genetics, is practice. And actually really practicing the skills that you want to get better better at in whichever, whichever field you work in. So if we take the sporting context, we know that um, off the back of Sir Bradley Wiggins' recent success, he was talking about the fact that him and his teammates were working on Christmas Day, and that gave them the edge. Uh, Mo Farah, another very famous world-class athlete, had a long period of his career where he wasn't winning medals, where he was struggling. And he talks about the changes that he made to the way he practised and how that's impacted on his ability to become one of the best athletes in the world and possibly of all time. So we understand that if you want to develop expertise, if you want to turn your talent into real potential, then practice has a really important role in that. Um, and And it's the difference between people fulfilling their potential or not. And when when Bradley Wiggins and, and Mo Farah gave these accounts of um, how they changed their routines and, and their practice and, and training, um, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, they didn't just mean they, they made a certain one-off sacrifice and missed out on Christmas Day or, or were away from their family for a time what they were alluding to was very specific changes in approach and and keeping in mind a very important principle of practice. Yes, so we know that just practicing, so there's a saying, practice makes perfect, which isn't really correct because it's not just about the act of practicing. Different different practice gives different results. Um, So... What Wiggins and Mo Farah and other people that calibre have, have engaged in, in a lot of is what we call deliberate practice. This is and, Anders Ericsson's work, which was very famously quoted in Malcolm Gladwell's um, popular 
psychology books. So deliberate practice is is really challenging your skills, your abilities. It's making mistakes. It's not just going through the motions. It's pushing yourself. And actually, optimal practice is a very finely balanced thing. There's a science here. There's a scientific principle called the challenge point framework, and that's about getting exactly the right type of practice. So you're pushing yourself just enough, but you're not making so many mistakes that it overwhelms you and you lose your confidence. We know that it takes about 20 hours of this kind of deliberate practice to become good at one particular skill. So that might be playing um, a song on the guitar or it might be learning how to structure a paragraph properly or how to present uh, to an audience. But once we get to, once, once we become good at something, there is a whole level of other performance. And, and so we might have a good club cycler who's good at cycling, he might be good in the local town or the local community, but then you've got Bradley Wiggins, who's a whole level above that. And, and what happens with practice is, we, we can put in about 20 hours, really high quality practice, but then we hit something called arrested development, where once we get to a certain level of, of skill at something, it becomes a lot more difficult to progress our, our skill. And this is where the ideas like, uh, the challenge point framework, deliberate practice, really, really come into their own because they really allow people to push on um, into the echelons of, of, of skill, you know, on, on a world expertise level. So, in fact, then you, you need to think very carefully about what you do and how you practice and, and keep certain principles in mind if you want to achieve the goal of continuous improvement then. Yeah, so we, we come back to this idea of, of self-watching and, and making sure that we are not just practising, so we're not just going to the golf range and hitting ball after ball after ball. Um, we, have to, we, have to be, we have to be aware that if we're going to improve ourselves, we have to come out of our comfort zone, we have to make mistakes. Um, you know, we talk about the three-to-one grounding positivity ratio so making mistakes is good. We know that it's cognitively taxing to progress your skill levels at things. And humans' ability to do that is limited in, in the day, you know. So every every day you only get so much time where your brain's actually capable of doing that. Um, I think we, well, certainly from my experience in, in professional sport, in education and, and in business, you know, you see people going through the motions, so to speak. You see it on the golf range where people are just taking ball after ball after ball. They're not necessarily refining and developing a skill. They're just doing the habit. And that is a form of practice, but it's not deliberate practice. You see it on the football training ground where people are they're practicing the skills they need to perform in a football game, but they're not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. You see it in the workplace. You see it. Um, in, in education when people are sitting in class or, or doing the homework. And it's a very air-brain mindset to, to just go through the motions because it's energy demanding to take yourself out of the comfort zone and push yourself. So when your air-brain wants to conserve energy, so it, it avoids doing that. But if we want to get better, if we want to improve, it's absolutely paramount that we engage 
in practice which challenges our current um, levels of skill. Now, there's a couple of things in the Elite Business Athlete book that uh, I'd like to talk to you about and develop those ideas. Um, Firstly, and I think it it connects to what you've just said, that uh, about there being an energy demand and and something happening in the brain. Um, Talk to us more about the the process that that happens uh, when you you try to learn a new skill, when you practice a skill um, and, and what happens inside your brain. Well, learning starts with attention. So if we're going to learn something new, we have to pay attention to it. Once we've paid attention to something, we get it into our into our short-term memory. And then if we repeat that thing, our brain starts to develop some neurological connections, which we call neurons. And we get this process called neuroplasticity taking place. And the neurons in our brain are like, um, we think of them as, as, as cobwebs when we initially learn something. So they're very thin, they're very um, fragile in a sense. But the more we practice this thing that we want to get better at, the thicker those connections become and they turn into cables. So we talk about cobwebs to cables. So... We know that practice is it's not magic or improving skill level isn't magic. There's a biological process that's taking place in our brain, which is centered around a thing called neuroplasticity, which is a, a relatively new understanding. And that we get better at things by practice, practice, practice. But if if we want to keep progressing our skill level, we have to keep taking ourselves out of our comfort zone. And that will allow those uh, neurological connections to get thicker and thicker and thicker. Our brain is trying to make everything into a habit. So our air brain wants to do everything on autopilot. And as soon as you're doing it on autopilot, you're not progressing your skill level or you're limiting the progression of your skill level. So you've got to come back out of the comfort zone and, pu- and push yourself again. So that's a, a rough overview of how humans learn things, new, new things. And it's a biological process. And And Hopefully, then, I suppose the good news from that is um, you can change, you can build better skills and habits through practice. Yeah, without a doubt, we, you know we see this in we we see this in all the contexts that we work in. People who say, "I'll just never be able to do that. I won't be able to do it." And then when they see that they expose themselves to good quality practice, they get better at things. And it's what humans are designed to do. We're designed to learn. So we can all improve. Sometimes that's, even what I've just said then is misconstrued as, well, you're saying that everyone can be the fastest person in the world. No, I'm not saying that. We're just saying that everyone can improve at anything. So whatever your levels and abilities are now, whether they're speaking French or doing quadratic equations or hitting a golf ball or doing public speaking um, or being a leader in your organisation, with practice you can improve. But it's not just any old practice. It's very specific, deliberate practice. Now, in the Elite Business Athlete, which, of course, you can download for free from the, the Tougher Minds website, tougherminds.co.uk, just go to the homepage and you will see it there available for download. Um, the, you talk about um, a significant figure from elite sports who's adopted these principles um, 
specifically into their coaching. And that's Sir Clive Woodward, of course, who has earned his place in history as the coach of the England rugby team that won the Rugby World Cup in 2003 in that iconic match in Sydney with Johnny Wilkinson dropping the winning goal. He also worked um, in, a, in an overarching team capacity with Team GB at the London 2012 Olympics, which was uh, a tremendously successful sporting moment too. Uh, and he understood um, in many ways uh, a lot of these important principles about practice. So just explain how Clive Woodward implemented that for us, if you would, John. If you want to fulfil your potential or help other people fulfil their potential so you can feel great and get the rewards and respect you deserve, then I want to give you a free physical copy of my new best-selling book, Because You Deserve to Know the Truth. The most important things for fulfilling your potential are not tips, tricks, hacks, therapy, coaching, meditation, breathwork, goal setting, journaling, or finding your why. I know it sounds irrational because we're so used to hearing about using these things to help us fulfill our potential. But these approaches are outdated and ineffective and they are based on a big lie. To find out more and get your free physical copy of Dr. John Finn's best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, go to tougherminds.co.uk. Well, the whole era of Clive Woodward's tenure within England Rugby Union was quite a transitional one because the sport was going from an amateur sport into a professional sport. So... I guess he was given um, a new level of, of, of time to, to think about um, training and, and how to implement the best training and also probably more time with the athletes to actually help them to become better rugby players than ever before. I think what Clive quickly realised was that if he wanted to optimise practice and optimise the development of his players... He had to make that practice as similar as possible to what was going to take place in a, in a live, real rugby game. So that he had to align um, the, the emotional response the players might be under in a live rugby game and bring that the best that he could into a, into a practice situation. And in... in Understanding what Clive Woodward did, it aligns itself very well with this idea of functional equivalence, which which really means that you want your practice to be as close as possible to the actual live performance that you're going to do. So if if you're going to do a big speech at work or do a big presentation, and to do that presentation, there's going to be 100 people in the room, you're going to be stood up, your heart's going to be beating a little bit faster, um, you're going to have to talk consistently um, for about 30 minutes. Well, sitting down at your desk, reading notes out in a nice, calm environment with a cup of tea and some music on in the background isn't really giving you the right kind of practice that you need to perform in order to get um, get the producer performance that you want in the, in the real situation. So... 
you know, Woodward understood that and, and he brought in lots of little but very powerful changes into um, England's training programme. And I think he used the same philosophy when he became the, I think the head of performance for the British Olympic Association. So he was trying to spread good practice throughout the Olympic sports, which allowed, again, better practice to take place so that more learning uh, could be taking place or more functional equivalent learning could take place when the athletes were practising you know, and hoping that, that that showed itself when they performed. And I think there's good evidence to show that it did. Um, and that evidence has extended itself into the, uh, the Rio games as well, where Britain have done exceptionally well. Yeah, I mean, and, and one thing I, I became aware of just by reading the, the sports media is that, and people might regard it as um, incidental, but I, I think it is very much part of this um, focus on functionally equivalent practice. Um, the team would practice with exactly the same match ball that they might be using in the in the competition, even if they weren't yet in the country they were going to tour. So they would have rugby balls brought over from Australia uh, so they could use them in England in their build-up um, to um, to the actual tour. Uh, and thus, it's all, all part of, of um, as you say, making everything as specific and as functionally equivalent as possible. Um, so uh, perhaps a takeaway then for people uh, listening I'm sure with interest to to what you said about how they might implement these kind of principles in their working life, in their business life, in some of the challenges they they have to face. If if you were then preparing for that killer presentation, um, rather than rehearsing it at your desk and clicking through the the PowerPoint or whichever your chosen presentation application is, um, you might actually have a dummy run in a room, gather a few colleagues together, don't have exactly the same, don't have the sort of wealth of resources you've got at your desk with you, fly a bit solo, as it were, metaphorically speaking. Is that the sort of thing you mean then, John? Yeah, well, I mean, yes. I, I think that for whatever you want to achieve, the first thing you need to do is have a clear goal of, of what that achievement is going to be. You then have to recognise that to get there, you're going to have to put in some practice. Um and I think that the, once you've got your goal, the first thing to recognise is what, what are the limitations of the way you're currently practising this particular thing, whether it's a speech or something else. And then, you know, make a little plan that allows you to actually extend and accelerate the way you're currently practising so that it's, it's, it's every minute you spend practising it is a more effective minute, an efficient minute than how you've previously practised it. And I think most importantly is you've got to keep being aware of your eight brain's resistance to um, take the shortcut, or sorry, not resist, eight brain's resistance to actually do the hard work and and will push you towards taking the shortcut. You know, if you want it to be really good at a presentation, I wouldn't practice it once in front of colleagues. I'd be practicing it several times and refining it and refining it and refining it. We have a rule within tougher minds that any slide we have, it takes an hour to prepare one slide. And that's how you get you know things really really good. So I think that when we look at people who are extremely good at things, whether that's the England uh, rugby team when Clive Woodward was in charge, 
or people like Mo Farah, Bradley Wiggins or Jessica Ennis. Um, it's easy for us to kid ourselves that they're just natural and it comes really easy to them. The reality is they're good because they work exceptionally hard um, and their practice is often more efficient and effective than their rivals. And if you want to get the best out of yourself in your profession, uh, in, in the skills that you want to excel, accelerate at, you've, you've got to have the same mindset and recognise that your success will largely be be based on working efficiently and effective, effectively and, and practising you know, as well as you possibly can. I think it's um, a, a great message for people and um, something that everyone can incorporate into uh, whatever they want to achieve uh, in their life, be it in their their working life, their, their business context, or, or perhaps even in their, their leisure time. Um, I just want to take you back to, to one thing that we've previously discussed on a, a Tougher Minds podcast, and certainly what you've, what you've just um, outlined to us, John, a very clear message is you must plan your practice in detail and all the keep in mind all the important components of that planning. But um, you, you, you spoke at the start of this podcast about attention and, and the need to be in the right frame of mind and focus and that that links back into activation which we've talked about previously as i say on a, a previous top of minds podcast and and i understand that's important too to, to be ready to learn to be ready to practice yes because if we don't have clever neurotransmitters like dopamine and neuroadrenaline in sufficient quantity in our brain, then it's hard to pay attention and it's hard to retain information. So we have to be in the right frame of mind, but more specifically at the right alertness levels if we're going to do high-quality practice. And again, that comes back to planning. You know, what is the best time of day for you to practice the things that you want to get good at? You know, is opening your emails at the start of the day the best way to maybe use the best part of the day or is it to actually do the difficult more challenging work um, that, that you need to do so yeah ultimately getting better at things the start of that journey is, is paying attention and attention is, is is a problem for human beings because it's a limited resource um, because we're so habit in in well we're so habitual in, in most of the things that we do so we have to recognise in our practice planning when is the best time of day for us to engage in in high quality practice. And you touched on um, a, a famous uh, work, Anders Ericsson, you mentioned, and also Malcolm Gladwell, who's uh, quite, as you say, a celebrated author of, of, of popular psychology books. And um, of course, in, in the UK as well, um, the sports journalist Matthew Said has enjoyed significant success with his book bounce but it's perhaps worth pointing out that in tougher minds programs people have the ability to access some very simple and practical techniques and frameworks that they can take away quite readily without having to um shall we say glean that themselves from reading a, a textbook tougher minds can offer this in a digestible form that's 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 can be implemented in many contexts straight away Yes, the, I think the understanding that you need to engage in lots of hours of, of high-quality practices has, has grown from when 
Anders Ericsson has, has performed lots of research in that area to people like Matthew Said and uh, Malcolm Gladwell popularising those ideas. But in those books, they don't tell you how to do it. They just say it's important. <laughs> so we, we teach people actually how to do it so that they can uh, change their lives and, uh, and, and fulfil their potential. So, yeah, that's certainly a difference in, in the way that we approach um, helping people. That was the Tougher Minds podcast, in which we discussed developing excellence, skill and accomplishment through deliberate practice. Remember, the Elite Business Athlete is the free Tougher Minds ebook, which explains how performance secrets from global sporting icons can be beneficial and transformative for everyone. You can download the Elite Business Athlete from tougherminds.co.uk. It's totally free. Thanks for listening.